Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Tony, you ready? Yep. Let's do this. I apologize if I don't sound as vocal as I usually do. I'm a little bit under the weather today. Winter in Ohio, ladies and gentlemen. It was 63 degrees yesterday, Tony. Oh, really? It's kind of sunny today. Yes. I almost went to the beach. It was 34 degrees today. Jesus. (laughs) I fucking hate Ohio sometimes. Uh, Well, I live in California. I don't have your disdain. Yeah, I know. It's always 75 and sunny out there. We get it. Screw you. No. Anyway. It actually it rained please. quite a bit yesterday. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the reaction. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am your host. My co-host this week, as per usual, 411 Mania is Tony Acero. Tony, how was your weekend, sir? Other than the rain yeah. yesterday. Yeah, I liked it. I enjoy the rain. Um, of course, it's probably because I don't get it on a daily basis. Um, I believe it's one of the, like, one of five times that it's rained this year. Um, other than that, pretty pretty substandard weekend. I didn't do much. Tried to get over the hangover known as Turkey. Uh, the trip to fan got you, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I was in, like, a turkey coma last night. I got home from helping my girlfriend with her son's fundraiser, and I put on the Sunday night game because I actually like Manning. Manning's on three of my four fantasy football teams, so, you know, I kind of want to see what he does. And we're maybe three, four minutes into the third quarter, and I don't see anything again until, like, 4.30 in the morning. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) My TV was on, my my nightlight was on, my lamp was on. I, I have I live in a studio apartment. We could really pull off the art of wrestling thing here, where it's live from the studio apartment. But no, Colt's gotten enough publicity for art of wrestling over the last week, and we'll touch on that a little bit later on in the show. But, but I think for now we're actually going to go ahead and get into the show here now that you've heard about our week, not our weekends, not that you really cared or anything. <laughs> oh, they care. <laughs> well, maybe yours. Yours is much more exciting than mine. I mean, how's life with AJ? <laughs> oh, it's great. We both had a little little chuckle at the um, the podcast and the huge outpouring that came afterward. 
is what happens when you have to share a woman. He seems <laughs> a little bitter about it, honestly. Yeah, he's not too happy, but I mean, it's it's either share or get out because she's not leaving me. Well, one of you has a history of quitting. Anyways, <laughs> I went there. What's up? <laughs> Ready to talk about what happened tonight on Raw? Um, yeah. All right, let's talk about Raw. Uh, do you want to go ahead and open things up here with the discussion of the melee that was the start of the show? Um, okay. Um, well, we had another talking segment to open Raw. It was subpar. It was boring. Um, <laughs> okay, well, let's go, let's just go back to how Raw ended last week. The anonymous Raw general manager chimed in, literally, and um, we we all groaned. We all hated it. So we start the show with um, Michael Cole reading a a little bit of a, you know, a, an email from the Raw general manager. Uh, he's cut off by John Cena. And uh, John Cena pretty much negates anything that the uh, the anonymous Raw general manager says, basically saying you don't exist, you're not important, whatever. goes so far as to closing the laptop um, while it's chiming, um, which is... Technically speaking, technically speaking, he did not fully close the laptop, and I think that's why we still heard the chimes. And long-time listeners of the show will know that music. Joining us for tonight's Raw Reaction, Jimmy Christopher. Oh, the world fat-ass champion has seen the good. I've seen the mountain. I've seen the <laughs> top of the mountain. And it is Thanksgiving. And it is good. <laughs> and it is good. All right, Tony. You were saying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, basically, um, it was um, it was it was Cena shutting him up. He, you know, he kind of said that, you know, nothing you say matters. I'm the one that decides if the authority comes back. Seth Rollins comes out begging him to uh, bring back the well, I wouldn't say begging, but he's pretty close to begging. Um, and then Dolph comes out and then someone else comes out. And then, you know, it's just a big mess. Um, they did what I think it took like 20, 25 minutes to do what they could have done in about four minutes, again, for the second week in a row. Uh, John Cena made it look like the Raw, the anonymous general manager, meant absolutely nothing. And then immediately after that, the anonymous general manager made two matches at the pay-per-view. Or a match at the pay-per-view that had huge implications on John Cena's um, standing as a wrestler. And it looked like he did little to nothing to care about it. Uh, I thought the whole segment was just a waste of time and didn't work and was very scattershot. Um, down to, uh, I believe there was a graphic that wasn't even properly displayed. There's just a lot of fuck-ups. Um, and I'm not saying as far as flubbing or botches or anything, but as far as continuity and threads that go through storylines, this seemed like the end of a Raw, at the beginning of a Raw, and I wouldn't have been interested regardless of where it was placed. Well, two things to touch on in regards to your comments there. Um, one... I understand your thought about the fact that it, the segment itself took longer than it really needed to to get to the point, but it did set up the awesome chaos melee that ensued afterwards. And honestly, as a wrestling fan, when you get that kind of a start to a show, it makes you more excited about what's going to happen. When you have that chaotic beginning to a show, it gives you the thought process that, hey, maybe something more interesting coming down the line is going to happen. I actually thought it was going to lead to an eight-man tag with Big Show and Rowan involved as well, but they kept it as a six and let Big Show and Rowan be their own separate match. 
So I actually really enjoyed the uh, the way that the opening segment ended. Um, my biggest problem with the uh, opening segment was the fact that Cena basically cut Rollins off for pretty much everything Rollins had to say. And unfortunately, this is kind of a pattern that develops from Cena in that Rollins is not the best mic worker. It's pretty commonly accepted that Rollins' weakest point in regards to what he does is his mic work. He's gotten significantly better at it than he was before he came to the WWE and even while he was down in FCW since he was down there before it became... Actually, he was down there for the transition from when it turned from FCW to NXT. But Mike's skills have always been Seth Rollins' biggest bugaboo. Seth has gotten markedly better, but the problem for Seth is, is he's going to have somebody like Cena, who's an excellent microphone worker when he wants to be, constantly talking over him and stepping on his lines. It's going to do nothing but throw Seth off of his game, I feel. Jimmy, your thoughts? Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, Seth, I mean, yeah, his bugaboo would be mic work at this point, not that he hasn't improved like you already said, but having to work with somebody like Heyman is just unfair to anybody at any level. I don't think anybody can hang, uh, so to speak, with Heyman's promo work, even the best of them. Uh, uh, I just I don't like the way that Cena cut off Rollins tonight either. I felt like it was a, you know, we're not getting anywhere with this segment. I'm John Cena, so I'll just skip it. And he moved into whatever he wanted to do next, whether it was to save time or not. you got to give Rollins a little bit more mic time, a little bit more to get over his ideas, his thoughts. Because you got to tell the story, and that's how you tell the story. You get on the mic, and you tell the story. Um, I mean, I'm kind of irritated at the whole... Uh, anonymous general manager thing, but that's a whole other topic in itself. Tony, your thoughts? Um, well, it goes back to what I said in regards to, I mean, yeah, you know, the whole cutting of Seth Rollins. I mean, Seth Rollins had some good points in regards to, he, he essentially said, John Cena, you're not funny. And I believe we've been saying that for years now. Uh, his jokes are stale. They're, they don't work. They're very, very one note. They're not layered. They, it's just, it's a lack of comedic timing even. Um, he just comes off as douchey. I mean, if you watch that promo in a vacuum, who was really the face here? You know, um, and that's one of his biggest issues. Every time that he's on the screen and you look at things, it's like, okay, although we're well aware that you're John Cena, a.k.a. the face of the company, you're coming off like a dick and not a dick that's likable. Um, so what's the point? Uh, so, yeah, the whole the whole thing, even the melee, I, I know you loved it, Harry, but it that didn't even work for me all that much. It, it came off as extremely choreographed. And something that we've seen before, although, like I said, it's usually at the end of Raw. Um, I wasn't upset with it. I, I thought it was a, a not a fresh, but an interesting way to start Raw, and also a way to make it look like the heels are a bigger deal than they are. But at the end of the day, again, I don't think it set up anything that they couldn't have set up differently um, than something that we've seen before, whether it be at the end or the beginning of Raw. Yeah, one thing that I did notice and I thought about with that whole melee at the beginning of the show was the end of Raw last week, uh, the anonymous general manager said something along the lines of the chaos is going to end, we're going to get back under control, and the first thing that happens on Raw the next week is this big out-of-control, chaotic, you know, battle royale between these competitors. And it's like, if this doesn't lead to the unveiling of a legitimate general manager, you know, not Hornswoggle, you know, maybe a Bischoff type (laughs) character. Maybe they name Heyman, the GM, 
Maybe they named just some. It's got to be somebody big, though. It, it, I don't want it to be Sting, but it's got to be a name. It's got to be somebody everybody knows. Maybe it's Michaels that comes back. Maybe it's you know just something that people will go, oh, that's who that was. That's why they were able to talk to John Cena like that. Now I understand. Now I know John Cena's in trouble, and it needs to tell that story. Because otherwise, yeah. it just says, oh, you said well, we're going to get out of the chaos? Let us have this big battle royal and say, have you, sir. And that's what they did to begin the show. And it's just like, it, it needs to be something important now. Or otherwise, people are going to go, oh, well, we didn't care about your emails. We don't care about you. We could care less if you come back. You know, bring Daniel Bryan back and be the GM. Who cares? And it, it needs to be important. It needs to have significance. I'm just... I'm really bothered by the fact that nobody's questioning where it's coming. No one has mentioned Hornswoggle, first of all. So that's dead in the water. It's obviously not him, according to them. Well, they did, they did have the cameraman focus on a sign that says, we know it was Hornswoggle. So hopefully that, that that was the WWE subtly acknowledging that they were, and it wasn't just some cameraman going into business for himself. The WWE isn't subtle. Um, the, no, the, uh, the, the, the simple question of, okay, well, if we don't know who he is, how does he have the authority to make these rules considering there is no authority and Vince McMahon obviously doesn't care. Um, so it's just, it's, it's one of those lack of logic. It's a easy way out. And it, it is, um, I mean, where was that person at the end of the show? Where was the matches made throughout? How cyber was Cyber Monday, by the way? Um, there's just a lot wrong that started at the end of the show, or started at the beginning of the show, and really didn't work for me throughout the, the majority of it. And it starts with that entire 20, 25-minute segment that just was kind of okay. It was Can this I place, you a question? I think, is the best way to describe it. Can I ask you a question as a reviewer, Tony? What's up? I'm not asking you this as a fan. I'm asking you this as somebody that reviews the show regularly. And I, I sympathize with you because, as I mentioned before, I used to review the show for Greg's website as well. Do opening segments that go this long, the opening 20 to 25-minute things where there's no matches, where it's just a bunch of talking and then brawling, does that make it harder to get excited about a show as a recapper? Um, not necessarily. It's the, an opening segment is supposed to set the stage for the show. But I believe that they've used it as a crutch for so long that it's become stale and stagnant. It's like if you and I were to start this show with a weekly banter that we wrote out beforehand, give it about five weeks and everyone's going to know what we're doing. You know, like we just wrote out bad jokes and we're like, oh, back and forth, ha, ha, ha. Oh, Harry, you're so funny. Oh, Tony, pat on the back. For like just two to five minutes for every opening of this show. Maybe the first couple of weeks people wouldn't catch on and they wouldn't get in. They're just like, okay, well, that's the opening. But if we did it for a prolonged amount of time, people would catch on and they would say, hey, guys, like that's not even necessary anymore. We know who the characters are. We know what you guys are doing. Let's just kind of get to the show. And if there is a, prece- a, precedent that you have, a precedent that you have to set, just do it quickly so we can get to what we're really here for, which is entertainment, wrestling, and just a release, you know? If we have 20, 25 minutes to say, God, this is boring, then channels are going to flip. They're going to change. They're not going to want to see this. They're not going to want to watch the rest of it because, well, we already fucking know what's going to happen. All right, that's fair enough here. Um, Okay, Cyber Sunday is the title of this one, and I'm curious as to where you're going with this. So let's pop open that first do for the evening. At least a big Um, broadcast. 
Well, that's an actual uh, typo. It's supposed to be Cyber Monday. Um, it's it's a minor issue, but of course, since we have a show to talk about Raw, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, cyber Monday wasn't very cyber at all. I mean, typically, typically a, a show of this uh, with this nature, there's matches, there's stipulations, there's stuff added to where you are supposed to be using this app that they shoved down our throats for months. Um, I believe the only match that we had to vote on was, of course, the only five-star match of the show, which was AJ and a unnamed partner versus the Bella Twins. Um, that was pretty much the extent of our interaction with the show. I'm not really sure what they were going for if they were, it's just, it's one of those things like, you know, no delivery. You're, you're, you're selling something, which of course nobody really cared for anyway, but at the same time, they get a lot of votes for that shit. And I can only imagine that a lot of kids are like on their parents' phone or their own phone ready and waiting to vote. And the only match that they have is a divas match. That is, basically giving us three interchangeable divas to team with, uh, you know, my beloved. Just let them have this one, Jimmy. Stop. (laughs) Let them have this one, Jimmy. And why does she got to team with someone anyways? I mean, we've seen her handle both of them more than once. I mean, really this whole storyline is just retarded. There's there's no follow-up with the whole 30 Days of Slave. Quick here, Tony. Quick here. Um, well, I did enjoy the St. Nick promo. That was pretty cute. And by the way, how grown up does Noel Foley look now? I was about to say, speaking of cute. Grown enough. (laughs) Just steal a line from from Rob Feinstein here. I'll just pretend you said 18. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, if we're going to get to the point of the do, the point of the do was don't tell me we're going to do something and then end up not doing it, Um, basically. Even if it's something that I'm not particularly... I'm just indifferent towards the cyber idea. We've seen it work, not work on a pay-per-view. We've seen it not work on a Raw. But if that's what you're going to sell us, you know, to get us to come to the Raw the next week, and then all you present to us is a one option. It's kind of like when they gave us the option to name the title, and then they're like, yeah, but we don't really like that name, so we're going to we're gonna do something else. You don't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's sad when the company itself is like, we believe in the WWE universe, except when we want to make the absolute decision, and, you know, you guys don't really get to say anything. But you're still important, and that's what's important. Now come buy our stuff. <laughs> And realistically speaking, I can understand how you guys feel that way <clears throat> in regards to the way that Cyber Monday went here. Would you have preferred tonight's episode of Raw to be something more akin to what we used to see from like the Cyber Sunday and Taboo Tuesday pay-per-views? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that those work. I think they just have a bad execution. Um, especially in this day and age with the app, uh, Cyber Sunday in its original form kind of difficult. Uh, you can't book a pay-per-view if you don't know what's going to happen, which is similar to the issues that King of the Ring fell into. I love tournaments. I love not knowing. But a majority of people, if they're going to pay for something, they want to know what they're paying for. If you put it on a format such as Monday, you you're, you feel a part of the show, first of all. And I'm speaking in the general and in, in the universal you, not just me specifically, but you as the fan, feel a part of the show. They feel like they're making certain decisions, even if they're swayed. Um, even if the show is, even the, something as small as Miz showing Naomi before the vote, 
can skewer the vote towards Naomi. I'm well aware of that, and and so are the so are, so is their creative team, but it's still add something different that you haven't seen before. There's a reason why people like the Slammies, why people like the Vegas editions of Raw, because it feels different. Even if we, us three sitting here, can see that it's no different than any other week. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. The the people feel like, even, even if the more naive fans feel that they're getting their hand in the decision making one way or another, I think it makes a difference to the fan base instead of, you know, somebody watching a football game. You have no, you know, decision in how that would end. But if you feel like you've made a difference on something like this brand of entertainment, I think you're more prone to be a bigger fan of that. And I think Tony hit that on the head. You do make the decisions in the football games if you're watching at BW3s. Well, that's only if the bartender hears you and hits the right button. This is true. And the last time I watched Tony. a football game, at, listen, the last time I watched a football game at a beat-up, Eli Manning threw four touchdowns. There's something not right in the world today. <laughs> well, don't worry. Eli Manning won't have a job in New York come next season, so we'll be fine. Oh, jeez. You know, all this talk and about I, Monday Night Football, this is actually one of the few weeks where we go on air on the reaction and the Monday night game is already over. Yeah, that game ended pretty quick. I saw it was a really low-scoring 16-13 game. But we can talk about that at another time, another place. This is the Raw review. The fat-ass champion demands we talk about Raw. Well, little fat-ass champion, you'll be happy to know that it's time for some plugs and some quick hits. So let's get to it. Let's do the plugs first because they don't actually have a a sound effect. The Raw Reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. I almost completely swapped in my line there. I almost pulled a Lillian Garcia. In addition, the reaction is in association with the Yes, Yes, Yes group on Facebook as well as the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse page on Facebook as well. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am the voice of Real Action Pro Wrestling, and I am a jack-of-all-trades at Black Diamond Wrestling. Um, Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about what you do at 411? I do the Raw Report uh, on a weekly basis. I I also want to give a a slight plug. I believe that about a year ago, there was this commenter. His name was Randy Ragsdale. And at first I thought he was a troll, but it turns out he's just not all there. Um, well, he ended up saying some disparaging comments about a numerous people and was banned. And a week later, he emailed me and kind of went off on me, cussing, capital letters, every, the whole, like, everything was just, I laughed it off completely. So a week later, I, the Slammies were happening, and I kind of made a joke saying we were going to have an award show called The Ragsies, which is short, you know, for Randy Ragsdale. And it kind of turned into something relatively funny and huge. So today, um, the commenters wanted that to return. So next week, and uh, you'll hear an update or two on the Yes, Yes, Yes page uh, during the week, but next week we will have the uh, second annual Ragsies Awards at the same time that the WWE is having the Slammy Awards. The awards themselves are pretty nonsensical. I believe this week I'll have um, My Favorite Feminist because there's a uh, commenter that is extremely hell-bent on calling all of us misogynistic pigs. 
Um, I believe it's a troll, but even if it isn't, it's kind of funny. Every time I post a picture of a female or a nude link or something, that that person goes off on me in at length, and I can't wait to hand her her award. Um, so it, it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> it's basically your own version of what went down at Yes a couple months ago. Yeah. Noted. Uh, Jimmy, anything you want to plug? I'm the world fat-ass champion. Yeah. And that's, I still really all we need to get... I still need to find me a belt. I can't stop thinking about that after we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Speaking of a couple <laughs> weeks ago, I still never made you eat crow, Harry. Uh, I am the only person that for the Survivor Series picks chose Miz and Mizdow to win the tag team titles. That was the choice of the fat-ass champion. And I'm um, ready for you to eat crow on that. Uh, Your Highness, <laughs> I still won the prediction pool. That's not the, the point. That's not the point I'm making here. <laughs> now, now you're just dodging the question. <laughs> it's done like a true WWE creative writer. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man! But how happy was I when they won those titles? I was ecstatic. Oh, I was marking out, too. I'm not going to lie. We'll have more on your current tag team champions a little bit later on in the show, but if you guys are ready, it's time to hit some quick hits. Yes, do it. All right. Hold on. i got to find the sound effect here because apparently it's gotten moved somehow. Harry's cat's bang, playing with bang, the laptop bang, again. Bang, bang, Try and stop it. You leave my cat out of this. Listen here, I'll make as many jokes about princess as I want. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Um, we actually have a pretty loaded show here, so we only have two things in quick hits for the evening. Fandango and Swagger into the Swagger Rusev segment. Now, is it just me, or does it seem like this Jack Swagger should have been the one that showed up in the original feud with Rusev? <clears throat> um, yeah, his pop was significant, just like last time, but I think that's based more on who his opponent is than him uh, personally. Um, <clears throat> I thought this was fine. I didn't I didn't mind it. I mean, Fandango obviously has no sense of clout, um, which is unfortunate because he's completely repackaged according to him and others, and it means pretty much nothing. Um, <clears throat> but if the more important story is Swagger versus Rusev, I could forgive them for not really... Um, ending where they ended last time, but as well as continuing where they are now. I just, uh, I don't know. I guess since I don't care about Fandango or Rosa Mendes, then um, this doesn't hurt my feelings. Yeah, I agree with Tony. You could basically throw anybody out there dressed in red, white, and blue against Rusev, and they'll get a huge pop. I mean, look at Heath Slater, for goodness sakes. What was it, like two or three (laughs) weeks ago, he walked out there in the Uncle Sam gimmick? And he got the crap kicked out of him. But when he first came out, those people were behind him. They were ready. They were like, yeah, Heath Slater's going to do it. That's the man we picked to take down Rusev. <laughs> and then you know, that that whole debacle happened. But uh, Well, I actually I mean, think that Slater had something of a fan base, though. I, I agree that he has a fan base. But my my whole argument is they're not ever going to put him over. He's in a position. We talked about this before. He's in a position where he's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. But what he does, he does well. And so going out there in the Uncle Sam 
Yeah, Uncle Sam gimmick and, you know, doing the whole, you know, it's time for the one-man pan, baby, to take down the Russian brute. And then, you know, he gets absolutely massacred. And, uh, but that's just the point. It's like Tony said, you put anybody out there against Rusev and the people are going to go nuts just because of Rusev. It's it's not, you know, anything spectacular. Swagger doesn't have any sort of clout whatsoever. I think people are bigger fans of Zeb than him. So that's just my opinion on that. Is Fandango dead in the water again already? No. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think he is. I think they need to start using him more if they want him to be taken seriously though. I mean, he's had what two matches against Justin Gabriel, which is, you know, laughable. Uh, not that the matches were bad by any means, but the matches were very short. They didn't get a whole lot of time and it seemed like Fandango went over quickly. Uh then tonight He's supposed to take on Swagger, which is a little bit more of a challenge. The match doesn't happen, so how seriously can you take Fandango? So then you go, oh, well, is Fandango serious? He seemed very happy about not having to be in a fight, therefore playing that card, or is he now the new vicious dancer Fandango? And you don't know where he sits, and therefore he's more of a really weird middle piece kind of gimmick where you don't know what to do with him, where it seems like they don't know what to do with him, but they made him look different, and now he's dancing the tango or whatever with Rosa. So, me. It's, it's, <laughs> I wouldn't call him dead in the water just yet, but I think they need to make him look more serious. Tony? Um, uh, not, no, I don't, I don't think he's dead in the water. I don't think he's, I don't think he's ever been afloat fully. I think, you know, after WrestleMania, they had a moment. But um, that was short-lived. And once again, he is one of those people who it's never truly been him that's been over. It's been either his music, his um, dancer, um, or in this case, uh, just the idea. I mean, people still chant his old music. Like, that's that's bigger than he is, and that's a shame. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he's dead in the water, but <clears throat> I think he will be soon because I don't believe that they believe in him as much as he believes in him. Um Speaking of belief, I want to read to you guys a snippet of the Stone Cold podcast with Vince in regards to a response to CM Punk's comments. It's not long, it's relatively short, but I thought that this was a little, I wouldn't say surprising considering who Vince McMahon is, but I figured since we're doing this show while they're doing that, um, you know, none of us three really know what's going on. According to it, McMahon said that Punk lacks communication skills and that he hopes that he and Punk will be on the same page again sometime in the future. He also apologized for firing Punk on his wedding day and said he hopes the two can work together in the future. Well, damn. So I he, think played couple... the, uh, he played the PR card then, right? As a, a, a and it, I think that uh, <clears throat> I think it's interesting. Well, I wouldn't say PR so much as Vince McMahon. He could have easily went in there and just stopped with the communication skills. Like basically, CM Punk could have talked to us, but he didn't. Um, I think what's interesting is that he didn't, and of course this is just a snippet, we don't have the entire podcast, but he didn't negate anything that CM Punk said. He addressed the personal aspect of it, which was basically, I wish we were able to talk more, I'm sorry for firing you on your wedding, um, and hopefully we can work in the future. It was almost as if he mentioned nothing about anything else, and he couldn't, of course, but it was interesting to see that the angle he went to was talking almost directly to Punk. And we've heard before that Vince is kind of sad that CM Punk is gone, whereas it's Triple H who's like, fuck that, dude. Oh, 
do you think it's do you think it's going to happen that we're going to eventually see CM Punk back in the WWE ring? I mean, I would say that it's much more likely to happen if Vince has anything to say about it than if Triple H has anything to say about it. But given the fact both parties having the cloud that they have right now, do you think it ever happens that we see CM Punk back in the WWE? Mm, it's a tough question. Just judging by the way he sounds, it makes it seem like it's not even one of those things where he's got money, he doesn't need to work. It's one of those things where he, he kind of lost the passion for it. Um, you know, like that, that's, that's harder to battle than simply needing money or not needing money. You know, like there's people that are rich loaded and they'll go back to the ring because something calls them back or something wants them back. And punk, uh, he more than burnt himself out. According to the podcast, he, he like almost killed it. The way he talks about it now, which is almost a year removed, he doesn't like wrestling right now. So it's, it's kind of sad. (laughs) So I don't. I believe he will come back. I believe eventually, but I don't know. I I I say that with like you know not a lot of merit behind it. Yeah, I think it really just depends. It really just depends more on Punk. If he comes back, if he comes back, one, it's going to be on his terms regardless. I don't think that he is looking forward to anything currently. I don't think that he has any plans on coming back anytime soon. But if he does come back, I guarantee it will be on his own terms. He will have a very interesting uh, contract, most likely something similar to what RVD or Jericho or Lesnar have, where he doesn't have to stay around too long, but enough that he uh, is able to get paid and the people will you know, come out of the woodwork to come watch him wrestle again. If anything brings him back, it'll be a WrestleMania main event. Yeah, That's absolutely. Exactly right. was just about that was just about what exactly what I was about to say. The only thing I could ever see bringing CM Punk back is an extended run from a January setup, maybe even a return at the Royal Rumble to a WrestleMania main event. That is it. Other than that, I think CM Punk is going to be perfectly happy living like the cheapskate that he is because I'm not insulting the guy by saying that he is a known cheapskate and he has a bunch of money saved up from his time in wrestling, even back to when he was going around the country working the various independents and stuff there. Because you got to think he was making bank even doing that because of the name value that the CM Punk name had back then, even before he got signed. He would be more than happy living off of what he's made and never, ever returning to wrestling again. Me and, a fr- me and one of my friends were having this discussion that I think one of the other things that would bring CM Punk back to wrestling and not necessarily the WWE would be a chance to have a retirement match against Colt Cabana somewhere. A fitting way to say goodbye to all of his fans rather than our last memory of him being of, of him in the ring being his subpar performance during the course of the 2014 Royal Rumble. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting for him. Not now. I think now the, the the man that I know to be CM Punk, and of course we don't know him, but just judging by tweets and things that I've seen in interviews, um, he's pretty um, self-absorbed, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, because so am I. But um, what that does is it, it kind of eliminates the connection that he has with fans. And I think that maybe not now, but maybe in a year or two, he's really going to look back and say, man, not that he regrets he left, but maybe the way that he left. And if you know, if he wants that retirement match, that will be the impetus of getting it. Just that feeling of I've never really did give them a you know 
a little bit of closure. But then again, who do, who do, what do I know? He may not give a damn ever. <laughs> All right, one other quick thing to get to here in Quick Hits, and that's the aforementioned tag match that you brought up before. AJ and Naomi against Nikki and Bree. Um, obviously, it looks like we're setting up for the rematch at TLC for the Divas title. Do you think AJ has a chance to regain the belt here, or do you think, given what's gone down recently in regards to the context of the Punk interview and all the fallout from it, that we'll have, that we won't see AJ regain the title again? Um, <clears throat> well, I guess that depends on when her contract ends. I... At this point, if she gets it back, and this is me saying this, but if she gets it back, what's the point? Um, I know she's a face, but her fan support isn't from a face standpoint, if that makes any sense. Like, the fans don't necessarily care too much if she's champion. They simply feel that she's deserving of it. Like, that should be her belt. It's it's really it shouldn't be anybody else's. Um, so as selfish as I may want to be in regards to her being the only one that gets the belt, there is some merit in it, it being on someone else. It's a shame that it's on someone that can't even do a drop kick, um, but it's still, it still it needs to kind of go that route. So, so like I don't see her winning it back, and I see if she does win it back, it's not a step forward. It's not a step back but it's not really a step forward either. Um, we have to, and this is, again, coming from me, we have to accept that just like CM Punk, AJ Lee isn't going to be here forever, and her days are probably fewer left um, on the show than there are off, and that's going to be a sad day that I'm not ready to face. But as a wrestling fan, if it is coming, then we have to recognize and realize that there is a slew of other women that need to be brought up and utilized and it's just a shame that the ones they're focusing on are the Bella Twins. That was actually a somewhat rather coherent thought of you. I'm <laughs> shocked, frankly. <laughs> like I'm not sure how to respond to that. Um realistically speaking I have to agree with you. I think that the amount of time left for AJ inside of the WWE is much shorter than pretty much anybody would really want it to be. And I think a lot of that has to stem with the problems that her husband is currently experiencing with the company. That being said, I still think there's a place for AJ on the main roster right now, even if it's not in the title picture, because you have people scheduled to come up soon, like a Charlotte, like a Sasha Banks, maybe even like a Bailey or a Becky Lynch, who AJ could work with and help teach the ropes inside of the, the main events, the, the diva main event style of the WWE as compared to how they work things in NXT. And I think that that's an important role that AJ could play going out the door. Hmm. Jimmy? Oh, I don't think that uh, AJ is going to be around much longer at all, actually. I don't think it's due to anything that has to do with Punk's... Uh, Podcast. I don't think it has anything to do with the interview or what he said, because I don't think Vince works that way. I don't think that he really says to himself, oh, well, this person's husband said this. That means that that must reflect what they think. I, I think Vince knows better, uh, especially the business person. I what? I don't. I think we all know that Vince has held grudges and been bitter about things in the past. Right, but held grudges against what people said personally, not what people 
special or significant others say, um, I don't think that he just sits there and goes, well, you know, what if Eddie Guerrero badmouthed the company and Vicky had a job forever? I don't think that would have ever happened if that was how you, uh, that's how you looked at it. But like I say, I don't think that, uh, he, uh, will hold any sort of grudge to that nature by any means. I think that he's a businessman first, and I think he understands that Punk's opinions differ from AJ's, and I don't see, like, but I still don't see her lasting long, the point being. Um, I think that she will probably be out sooner than later, only because I I would hope that her the influence Punk has on her isn't too great to where that drives her away, but just... I mean, what if she's kind of going up? I think she'll end up going up the road that he did, losing her passion for it. Because, I mean, look who she has to put over. And it's like <laughs> Tony said, the the bitch can't even do a proper drop kick. She got about two feet off the ground and drop kicked uh, Naomi in the thigh. So, I mean, it just, it makes you wonder, like, as a talented wrestler that AJ is, how long can she continue to put up with that? I mean, they're doing the same thing to her that they did to Punk. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you guys kept sitting there. Nobody was saying anything. I was like, well, oh, I think my phone either died or these guys, you know, they yeah. got lost. Well, and, oh, I, had to, uh, I had to screen a, f- a phone call real quick. And due to the fact that we're on a little bit of a time constraint tonight, I'm going to bring them on, but I'm going to bring them on for a limited appearance. Okay. Hey, John, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, I can. All right. Um, you got about I, I three minutes. Trust this is not going to take long. Trust me, Sam. I know Sam Punk once wanted to leave under his own terms, and at the same time, I feel like this could have all been avoided, and we all could have seen Sam Punk still wrestle again. You know. Well, I think we'll eventually get back to that point. It's just going to be a case of the timing being right for all parties involved. I mean, Vince, Vince and Punk, they they saw eye to eye. But you know, you know, if CM Punk wants to keep blaming Ryback and the WWE doctors, I mean, Punk, get real, get real about it, man. You wrestled Ryback and you complained about being injured, and just you know, Punk, Punk complaining just doesn't do it. I mean. I'm a CM Punk fan, but come on, man. Well, it depends here because according to what I've heard about the interview, I've not actually had a chance to listen to the full thing yet due to uh, uh, an extra busy week last week. I have every intention of getting to it on a free date that I have scheduled for tomorrow. Um, Apparently, there was an undiagnosed staph infection, which actually nearly cost Punk his life because... The doctor that eventually treated the staph infection asked him, how are you not dead? Yes. Before I go, I want to, speaking of a staph infection, Kane has a staph infection as well. Then why is he still working? I don't don't think that they put him in the ring with somebody. He's not going to go in the ring with these five other guys. I think he needs to go. All right, I'll see you all later. 
right. Have a good one. Have a good night, John. Bye. Bye. Um, what 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 John's referring to is an image that's been floating around Facebook that shows a bump on Kane's back, which is circled and zoomed in on to be considered a staph infection. Um, I can't consider that true or not. I think it's irrelevant, um, mainly because it's Facebook, and the only pictures you should believe on Facebook are ones where AJ and I are together eating at restaurants because those oh, are completely the love real. Of God. But Make other it than stop. that. <laughs> Other than that, a lot of this stuff is fake. Um, you know, as far as the CM Punk thing, if there's one point that I can make, it's in regards to, and this is what I thought before Vince McMahon had said anything. Um, as an example, I work in a restaurant among, you know, as well as a bar, but the, the restaurant, there was this guy who was upset that he didn't get paid a full two weeks, um, but he took a week off, and his he couldn't understand that the pay period was a week prior to him getting paid, which is per usual for any job that you're really at. You know, I'm sure we've all experienced at one time or another that the week that you're working is not necessarily the week that you're going to get paid for. Um, if you're getting paid, you know, every two weeks, he couldn't latch on to that mentality. The owner tried to explain it, tried to write it out three different times and it just didn't work. The guy, instead of trying to understand or even taking a breath, threw a huge fit, caused a scene, and just walked out. Well, that guy never got scheduled again. Um, and all it was was a mixture of, of ego, anger, and lack of communication. <clears throat> and I think that's all that happened right now. That's all that happened with CM Punk is that he was angry because he was frustrated with everything that was going on. He said it in his podcast numerous times that he didn't speak up because he wanted to be that kind of champion the one that went through the injuries, regardless, the, the Triple H that tore his quad and kept going on a match. You know, he said it. <clears throat> he admitted it himself. He wanted to be that person. So he was that person. It was a lack of communication. More so, who exactly are you talking to? How many people do you have to talk to? How many doctors are there? What kind of people are you talking to in the creative team? There's got to be like at least 30 people that if one person doesn't like you and he happens to have your, you know, talking about you at that particular time, you're, um, you're pretty much done. And, uh, it was a mixture of all these things that just kind of let go. Just like this dude at work didn't get scheduled for a few weeks, so too did CM Punk. He didn't get scheduled. He ended up getting fired. That's how it works. That's how it happens. And it all could have been prevented had there been an actual conversation, um, which according to the podcast CM Punk tried to do. But if you've heard CM Punk, if you've seen CM Punk, I'm pretty sure the conversation wasn't, hey, can we talk about this? It was more so, um, guys, I'm going to need my spot at WrestleMania now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really not surprised given the reputation that Punk has for his lack of communication skills. What Vince said about Punk's communication skills is no is not exactly a secret in regards to in regards to the wrestling world. Punk is known for being relatively antisocial. So honestly, Vince saying that Punk wasn't the most communicative of people isn't something that really surprises me. All right, I think on that note, we're ready to move on here. And we're going to move on with Tony taking us through the Wyatt-Ron R-Truth match and then the fallout in the post-match, which I'm sure is most of his talking point here in regards to the Wyatt-Ambrose build for TLC. So go ahead, Tony, take it away. Um, yeah, R-Truth had a sighting, and I don't know, that man gets uglier every week. Every time I see him, something's wrong. Um he was just there. Just he was there to get his Maybe ass beat. Maybe a staff infection. Possibly. Um, Wyatt <laughs> made quick work of him. 
Uh, the match was all right. I I, I like Wyatt in the ring. Uh, afterwards, he cut a promo. He had you know about Jacob's ladder. Um, he made sense. I know people say that he doesn't make sense. He makes sense. It just doesn't always lead to something. But he makes sense. All right. <laughs> um, and then Ambrose came out and said, um, you know, you know, shut up, and pulled his leg out, and then they fought. And here, here, I believe this is why I brought this point up because I find it extremely funny that tonight made me feel that they took it up a notch. And it was only because Ambrose beat up a rocking chair. There was no blood. There was no hijacking. There was no kid with a deep voice singing to Ambrose. It was simply Ambrose beating up a chair. But it was more so the reaction that Wyatt had and the buildup that Ambrose may have finally gotten to him. That doesn't happen to Wyatt. So seeing this, seeing it as a whole, seeing it as an entirety, we've been wanting these two to go crazy on each other for a long time, and there's always been something that they haven't done. Um, for whatever reason, breaking a rocking chair kind of did it for me. <laughs> yeah, I think Jimmy Wyatt definitely sold it as far as when the rock... I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off there, Harry. But uh, no, the, the breaking of the rocking chair was kind of more of a symbolic type of thing, I guess, for Wyatt. It's supposed to be some sort of, you know, part of him. Because you you've always seen Wyatt in that rocking chair during his promos, during his entrances, during... You know, Roman and Harper's matches, or, I'm sorry, yes, Harper and Rowan's matches. Rowan. You would see him sitting in that chair just rocking back and forth. And for him to break that, Wyatt kind of showed, like, you know, you've gotten to me, you got to me, because the chair meant something to me. And you've never had that with Wyatt before. You've never had something mean something to Wyatt so much that when it got taken away, it meant something, and now it becomes more personal to him as well. And even if yeah. that rocking chair was just symbolic in that form, that made the biggest difference. Yeah, I'm with you guys here. I actually think that uh, we might have been seeing somewhat of a humanization of Bray Wyatt this evening with his reaction to losing his rocking chair. And it's kind of not a context that we've seen in Wyatt before, so it adds a newfound element to the character that I think was missing. He's he may be kind of a cult leader. He may be kind of a lost soul of sorts. But there are still things that he cares about. And if you get to the things that he cares about, it will affect his mood. What yeah, the hell was, is it, going on over there? I don't know. I, I can only imagine that um, he's going to be eating soon, so... That or he's beating up his own rocking chair. <laughs> Mute your but, uh, microphone, no. Jimmy. Um, the uh, um, the, the yeah, I, I I'm gonna have to agree that it was a little bit of a humanization. Just seeing him kind of weakened, even even just a tad bit, kind of brought it all like okay. Because what have we seen from Wyatt? Wyatt has had what I call the Undertaker push, where um, nothing has affected him. He can get hit with a chair and smile. He can be bleeding and grinning. He can be, you know, tore up to the point where, um, you know, you're like, oh, why isn't he selling that? And he'll just fucking exorcist walk backwards and smile. Um, of course, his push hasn't been as great as The Undertaker's because The Undertaker was on, like, a no-lose streak for years. But um, in regards to characterization, there are certain characters that are seemingly um, uh, unable to cause pain to and uh, impervious to it, basically. And I believe Wyatt has been built up that way. So to see him kind of weakened in a state um, by a person who so many people are backing was, was kind of refreshing to see. 
and it leads us to believe that something is going to change in Wyatt, which is what we've all kind of been clamoring for. I think this needs to bring out a much more vicious side to Bray Wyatt and where he starts taking things a little bit more seriously and he starts taking things a little bit more personally. And I think that that right there will be the thing that puts him over the top as far as as, a, as well as being a character in that, yeah, as you mentioned, he had kind of that Undertaker complex about him in that he cared, but he didn't care a lot and he couldn't seemingly hurt him. But now that he actually feels things, now that he actually has emotions towards, emotional responses towards what's going on around him, this could be something yeah. else that you can play off in the Bray Wyatt character. And I love that it's an inanimate object. I mean, he's had Harper and Rowan, who were his protégés, be beat up and everything, and he just laughed it off and didn't really care. But you break his rocking chair, like, oh, hell no. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's really break cool. That, that shit gets real. Yeah. Um, I believe there was a comment in the, in the comment section that said, um... I believe Wyatt is officially off his rocker, and I'm a sucker for puns, so I die. I thought it was hilarious, but um, there's there's just some element of um, a multi-layered story there that is much more impressionable than simply, I'm crazy, you're crazy too, we're part of the same cloth, let's fight. <laughs> you you missed quite a few rabid puns on Yes earlier this evening. Oh. I, it's really hard for me puns. to follow. Yes, I uh, while I'm doing the report, I have to follow the comment section. I have to recap. I really want to because I mean those guys. A lot of them share the same board. Um, for the longest time, I didn't know one person was the other in the comment section and the yes, yes, yes page. Um, <laughs> Thirsty over there, Tony? Yeah, I'm a little parched. All right, let's hit that second deal. Um, okay, so I was speaking a little bit about character development. Um, it seemed like tonight we had a little bit more towards one Eric Rowan. Um, so he's not an idiot. He's more of an idiot savant. He's got an extremely high IQ. He can solve a Rubik's Cube in roughly 15 seconds. Um, and um, I, I thought the questioning was weird. I thought the way that went was weird, the little mini-interview. Um, they, they dropped that information on us so that we knew. They essentially said, okay, so you guys, we want you to know that Eric Rowan is very intelligent in terms of mindset. Um, and then the question after you list all these facts about him is, so why the big show? Uh, that doesn't work for me. So that, that's a non sequitur. That doesn't, one does not beget the other. It doesn't, like, does that mean you have to be stupid in order to fight the big show? Is that what they were implying? Uh because I'm not 100% sure what they, where they were going with that questioning, with the line of questioning. Um, and, of course, his response is one of the things that I said last week doesn't make sense to me either because he's a bully. Now, the Big Show hasn't really expressed or shown bully tendencies. He knocked John Cena out. John Cena is arguably an equal, um, maybe even more so not. Maybe he's higher. I mean, John Cena, in essence, is a bully. <laughs> um so when have we seen Big Show be a bully? He's not like Ryback hitting up caterers and dropping soup on people. Um, so I don't get where that line of thought comes from either. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about making uh, Rowan a a extremely intelligent person because that means that he can no longer do anything stupid. Um, and what I mean by that is he can't be foiled. Technically speaking, he should be logically sound enough 
to not be foiled, to not to realize. I mean, he should be Damien Sandow before he was the Mizdow, before all of that. Intelligent, intellectually superior, and able to do those little things in the ring that you're like, oh, well, fuck yeah, he's a genius. Like he, you know, the little things that he, I, that character is not doing. So I don't know where they're going with it. Uh, if they're going Forrest Gump route, then I think they are going to need a Tom Hanks and Eric Rowan. I love you, but you are no Tom Hanks. So I think this is going to end up kind of either fading away or turning into something else that they can control because this is way above their mentality to um, to create a, a viable storyline. All right, two things sad. to touch on for that. Two things to touch on for that thought process there, Tony. One, you don't have to be an idiot to fight the big show. You have to be an idiot to book him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Second of all, um, honestly, I think they might end up going more of like a Festus route, and he has like a trigger. Do you think? Do you think the more viable reason for Rowan wanting to fight the Big Show is that Big Show almost single-handedly cost Rowan his job at Survivor Series? Wouldn't that make more logical sense? I mean, they could have gone with anything other than he's a bully. All I feel is like they're leeching onto that fat kid watching wrestling and saying, hey, you can be a Don't talk about fat kids. Don't you dare talk about <laughs> fat kids. Not with the fat-ass champion here, sir. You don't talk about fat kids. Well, I'm pretty Those sure are my people. Like 143. But, no, my, my, like, that's the only thing I could see positive out of this is that they're letting kids know that you can be smart and ugly and a redhead um, or a red beard and, um, and you know, still be a person. But... I don't know. It just seems really like a very soft reason to to want to fight the big show, and and I don't know how long or how far they can go with calling him, you know, an IQ of 143 um, and a winemaker. Well, maybe he's not an IQ of 143 after that step shot to the dome earlier tonight. Yeah, the one that the mat gave him, right? Not the one that Big Show gave him. Yes, the one that the, uh, the ring mat decided, screw you, we're, we've had enough of this. We're standing up for ourselves. Seriously, who would have thought the most dangerous person in that entire arena was the ringside mat? <laughs> Anywho, uh, your thoughts on Eric Rowan and his genius turn? And his what? Mm. And his genius. Uh, Jimmy, you're up. Genius. I don't know any geniuses that walk around with sheet masks on. That's weird. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think the character fits either. I wish that they they could have done all sorts of things. And if they do do the Festus trigger thing, then why does he act violent for no reason? Where is the trigger? So I don't think that's where they're going. Because they, if he had a trigger, it would already be known. Other than, you know, he sees his opponent and therefore it's a trigger, which I don't think means squat. Um, I don't like the genius gimmick. Uh, I thought the Rubik's Cube was a very interesting uh, tool that he used while they were while they did the interviews with the team. He just stood there quietly and figured out the Rubik's Cube, and I thought that was very cryptic. I thought it was very different, because who, who messes with Rubik's Cubes? Who does that? I don't think they should have gone with the educated genius. I should have gone, I think they've gone with the troubled psychopath gimmick where he's just kind of keeping to himself, doing something very meticulous, very painstaking. You know, you have to know each move before you do it. 
and maybe they could have used that to say, oh, well, he's much smarter than he looks or much smarter as he comes off. How else would he be able to solve these Rubik's Cubes? But at the same time, then to go, oh, well, he's got an IQ of 143, and he's a winemaker, and he does this, and he does that, and he's Jesus. And you just go, whoa, 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 pull it back. Pull it back. Did you just Thank say you. he was oh, Jesus? My. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have to agree completely with that sentiment. Yeah, definitely Jesus. No, but in reality, this is another case of the WWE taking something that could have worked and just going full force with it. Um, like that whole that whole uh, layering, the, the Jimmy's idea, right? That was beautiful. Not actually saying anything, simply having him have that Rubik's cube. You didn't have to say anything. No one. The commentary could have even said, "What you know? What does he always carry it for?" I mean, they would fuck it up anyway. But still, it's the reality of just letting us figure it out. Letting us see that this guy, because like I said, they have pigeonholed him now. He can't fuck up in the ring anymore. He's supposed to be right. a genius. He can't. He can't get hit with stairs. That doesn't. That doesn't work. He can't get double crossed. Like you're supposed to be a genius. So it, that doesn't work for me. So it just. Uh, they. They just once again they took something that could have worked and they overcompensated. Like I mean, this is their fucking big truck with chrome balls hanging down. Like just calm down, guys. Calm the fuck down. Yeah. Yeah, there was somewhere much to go into this. There's way too much to go into this that's unexplained. And because it's unexplained, because they put too much uh, genericness on it, I guess is the nicest word to use, they put so much generic vagueness on his character now. Well, he's a genius. Well, why was he following Wyatt before if he wasn't lost or, you know, if he was actually a genius, why is he following this guy before? And now people, you have to start questioning what he's done in the past as well as what he'll do in the future. And Tony's exactly right. He can't screw up in the ring. He can't do dumb things. He can't be this backwater, you know, kind of hick type person anymore. If he's so smart, why isn't he doing something else? Why isn't he acting a different way? Why is it this? And it just brings everything into question. The only thought that I could give you here as far as that goes is the fact that maybe he acts the way that he does in order to try to put people other in order to try to put people with us in an un and an undeserved feeling of ah, I got this, this is nothing here. But then in that case, why would you announce the genius thing at all? Yeah, there's no need. Uh, he could we could have considered that and there was even a, a thought, an idea of it already played with the Rubik's Cube. We all could have kind of latched onto that and just went with it. All right, we're running a little bit behind on time here, so let's go ahead and get right into Harry's hit. Here it comes up. Here it comes up. Here it comes up. Harry's hit. Here it comes up. And I'm going to kind of touch on something that we've briefly touched on already, so I'm going to be short with this one. Uh, the backstage segment with Miz and Naomi, how much of a rat bastard did that make Miz look like? Like, that is one of the very few actually heel things we've seen Miz do. Granted, he's stolen the spotlight and stuff from, from Miz Dow, but Miz Dow is his associate and Miz Dow is his underling, so it's something you kind of come to expect. This is one of the few genuinely heel things we've seen Miz do recently. Yeah, I thought it was very heel of him. 
uh, and genuinely heal. It wasn't just one of those generic, I'm a bad guy, so let me do this because it's something I should do. It was, oh, I like the way you twerk. I see you got some <laughs> talent there. And it's like, whoa, Miz, you got some jungle fever, buddy. All right. boy. Oh, I mean, all the power to you. You know, each their own, whatever. But, you know, he says something like that, and you go, oh, is, is that what Miz is really doing? He's watching twerk videos of other wrestlers' wives? And but now, now you got to question all that. But I think it comes right down to. Uh, I think it helps his character. I think it makes him more of the heel of the two. I think giving her the business card, and I think it puts an even deeper wedge in the storyline for them and the Usos down the road at TLC. I think it works. I think it's very good, and I think that because of that, they'll be able to carry the storyline past that uh, this upcoming pay-per-view, which is nice because now it's not going to be a, oh, you won, you won the number one contender spot two weeks before we have to face each other at a pay-per-view. It's a good thing we have all that time in between to develop the storyline now, but now they actually have something to work off of. Uh, Tony, I'll let you comment on this. Damian Mizdow and the invisible business card. <laughs> that was wonderful. Um, he just... You know, it was it's it's one of those things where the idea can fall flat or it could be great, and Sandow always makes it great. Um, that stuff right there. I've, there's been new, there's been times they're they've been very minute, but there's been times where I was like, all right, Sandow, that's a bit much. This wasn't one of those times. This was great because it was that extra nudge at the end where he was like, come on, Naomi, like help a homie out, like come on, just take it. Take you know? the card. Like he, yeah, yeah, like just take the card. Like you know, like that was that was great. Um, but no, I, I do agree. It was it was Mrs. Time to Shine, and um, also it gave an edge to the Usos that has been so sorely needed. Immediately, I was like, great, they're bringing the Total Divas into the show because once again, they're like, as you know, no, a lot of people don't know, but thanks for telling us that they are married. Um, but it actually worked. We, we they they've needed something for a while now, and I'm hoping that this is something that they are able to uh, use, utilize, to give the Usos some, something of an edge. And that's actually the next thing that I'm going to touch on here by uh, getting into the singles match that happened. And first of all, how excited are we that Damian Mizdow picked up a singles match win on an episode of Monday Night Raw? <clears throat> pretty excited. I just want to say, I th- this is, I'm pretty sure this is the first time this has happened in months. So I'm going to take this where I can get it. And second of all, I want to point out the fact that I also agree with what Jimmy said earlier in regards to giving something of a backstory to the actual tag title match. And that I will say that it was smart of them to wait until after the Usos had won the gauntlet in order to show Miz approaching Naomi because it would have given away the fact that the Usos were going to become the number one contenders. But that being said... Jim, Jimmy coming down to ringside after Miz gave Naomi the business card and bitch-slapping the dog shit out of him instantly added that extra level of, oh, snap, that the Usos' involvement in storylines have been missing for months. Mm-hmm. Very true. All of the storylines have been missing that. I mean, the, in regards to the tag team titles, at least, there's We've had, what, the Cosmic Key? And then before that, we had the Usos just kind of holding on to it. 
So it's nice to see a layer of heat added to the tag title picture and not just being, oh, we want the belts and we're going to take them. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, your thoughts? Do we still have Jimmy? Yeah, I'm still here. Um, no, I loved every part of it, and you you guys are absolutely right. It finally gives that little bit of pop to the tag division, something else, something other than, oh, we're all competing for the tag titles, and now it's, oh, now you're giving business cards to my wife. It, <laughs> it, it enters an entire new realm. Man, this could get very interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, if next, if next week we see Naomi in a room with a black couch, then they've, they've kind of jumped the shark. But for now, um, they're not doing too bad. No, I liked it a lot. Did, did you really have to make the casting couch joke, Tony? <laughs> God damn it. I thought we were above that on here. Guess not. Moving on. Uh, no. We're, we're above <laughs> things on this show? No, we're not above anything. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm definitely in the wrong place all of a sudden. Okay, perhaps the use of liquids right after that conversation was not my wisest decision. Yeah, well, that's like talking and, man, let's get hammered. <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, well. Aw, pudding. I know I get so flustered. I'm Make sorry. it anyway, stop. Um, <laughs> I wanted to talk about the tag team turmoil match, um, and I, I said in the raw reaction, the, the the layout for it was it a hit or a miss? And uh, I Harry, from what I can take, from what I've gathered over the last what eight or nine months, um, you love yourself some tag team wrestling. You're fully invested in it. You you talk about it every week. Every week, this is almost your hit. Well, almost every week, this is your hit. Um, just a tag team match in general. So this may have been a hit for you. And I don't know. That's that's why I brought it up. But this really bothered me. Um, we had the former tag team champions lose in a matter of minutes. Then we had everything else seemingly rushed, including a brand new team. Um, and then a thrown-together team in Cesaro and Tyson Kidd, who I believe can do wonders in the ring but had no sense being there, had no point being there. Um, a match like this, a tag team turmoil, leads me to believe that I'm going to get something amazing, or at least a, a solid outing. But more often than not, they do things like this and give us a rushed, um, a rushed match for the sake of giving us something, quote-unquote, new to get to a point that they were going to get to anyway. Um, and what I mean by that is that this didn't show us anything new. The Usos ended up winning. They did more with the build for the tag match with the Naomi thing than they did with this entire tag team turmoil. It was not turmoil. It was kind of like uh, boiling water. Like, it wasn't all that big of a deal. It was short. And it was ineffective. And I think it hurt a lot of the teams more so than helped the winning team, which shouldn't happen. So it was a big miss for me. And uh, I just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts about it. Because it was and it, it was one of the, the selling points of Raw tonight. It was one of the big points that, you know, technically you were supposed to tune in to see. And for whatever reason, it just didn't really work for me. Um, the tag team turmoil match, I liked and I disliked uh, for many of the same reasons. Uh, the first reason was why would you knock out the most recent ex-champs being Stardust and Goldust about three or four minutes into that 
you know, match. It doesn't make them look good. It doesn't make them look like they're former champs. It makes them look incredibly weak. And then they're, you know, going to be feuding with the New Day or whatever, which is fine. But it didn't really tell a story between the two teams other than, oh, well, they attacked they attacked Xavier Woods after they got eliminated, which caused them to be eliminated by Kidd and Cesaro, who I think would be a phenomenal team if they got together, but that's a whole other topic once again. Um, and then you put the Usos over at the end, and I think that was saved by the fact that Miz is handing out business cards to the Usos' wife. Um, but overall, I mean, it didn't not work for me because I thought it was something different because you don't get to see tag team turmoil very often, so it was it was interesting. Uh-oh, little boy's starting to wake up, guys, so I'm probably going to have to get off here in a minute. But, uh, little fatty. What? Little fatty, little little fatty. He, he's a chub, he's a chubbo. I'll tell you what. I definitely call him <laughs> Chunk Monk. He's got some rolls on him. Oh, Bubba, but you're only five months old. That's why you Chunk Monk. You playing with your toys? Yeah, he's all up in those toys, man. Um, but no, I don't think the tag team turmoil match doesn't work. But in this scenario, it didn't tell enough of a story, and that was my problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. Like I said, I love the idea of Tyson Kidd and Cesaro in uh, as a tag down the road, like to be solidified. I actually love that idea, and that was like one of yeah. my biggest things in the match. I was like, "Oh my god, they're teaming! They're teaming! Oh my god, I'm excited now! Real wrestlers!" And that's and I just think they could really do some damage and really be impressive. Um, but the Usos winning, uh, it it's good for them. But I think the Miz Naomi segment is bigger than just them being the number one contenders because the yeah. tag team championships they haven't had a big uh, significance in a while. They've just kind of been like, oh well, you know, oh the New Age Outlaws won recently. Oh that that that's okay. That's nice. That's different. And I mean, you never had Harper and Rowan holding them, which everyone thought was going to happen. And then the Usos held them for a while, and then dropped them to Cody and gold dust and they never really did anything with them so it's about time that something happens with them something big something exciting that people can go oh that's right the tag division that's important and it's fun to watch and i think it'll happen with this now especially with men's down involved you can't go wrong right now with him yeah i think there are big things ahead for the tag titles even if it's not necessarily involving the titles themselves but are going to lead to the breakup of the current tag team champion and we all know how much they love their tag team partners who are now feuding angles. And I think that we're going to lead to one of those here going forward, Ms. Dow. But um, as far as the tag turmoil match itself went, um, obviously not one of the better tag turmoil matches because of the time constraints that were on it in regards to having it on Raw and during the commercials. And then most of the other tag turmoil matches were on pay-per-view, and then even those were short. But I think the commercial breaks hurt the match here in that you can't have one steady stream of a tag match. You have to take these breaks, and you had to cut to a commercial in mid-move in some cases, or right as a new team was coming out, or right before the new day got introduced and stuff. And that took away from some of their reaction from the crowd, because the crowd had to sit through three and a half minutes of listening to Golden Stardust theme music. It's a nice theme song, don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't want to sit through three and a half minutes of it. So I just think it was weirdly placed, and the breakdown on how they took care of things also did them no favors either. My first thoughts when they mentioned that there was going to be tag team turmoil tonight was actually they have enough teams to do tag team turmoil now. Good for them. 
Yeah, I also wondered where the Los Matadores were. I was certain that they would be a part of it. I thought, you know, it would be a lot of fun to get Torito involved in the turmoil, but they just didn't show up. I guess that was to put over the Miz and Mizdow gimmick later on down the road and give Mizdow a singles match. So hey, I don't know if one any of them... Chance for me, any chance any for Mizdow to win a match is fine by me. Yeah. I'm starting to wonder if the one of the Matadors is hurt again, then, if they're putting the other one in a singles match instead of just having... Sandow squash somebody like Zack Ryder or uh, Justin Gabriel. Well, the thing is, is with the Matador still kind of technically involved in the tag title scene, it makes a little bit of sense for it to be somebody that's involved in their same scene. But at the same time, yeah, if you want to keep the Matadors in that picture, then why not put them in tight turmoil and have it be somebody that's persona non grata on the card right now, like you said, a Zack Ryder or even a Heath Slater. Totally agree. Uh, are you sticking around for the final reaction, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, I think he's pretty content playing with his little toy, so we ought to be good for another 10 minutes or so. All right. Uh, Tony, are you able to stick around for the final reaction then? Or do you yeah, need just to get rolling? All right. Let's hit it, everybody. It's time for the final reaction. It is the final take. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, so that, that's no, just I my like, OCD taking over there. Uh, like, Tony. I, yeah, I liked Raw, but... Oh, go ahead. What's your question? <laughs> uh, it's going to be the same normal questions in the same normal order. You know how this works by now. We've only been doing it for like three months. I don't know. Favorite part of the um, show? Favorite part of the show was seeing AJ win. Um... She just looked so good. It was so No, um <laughs> no, I really did I really did like AJ um this week. Typically I can't really give her that No, you know what? Uh there was prob- probably my, my my favorite part would be the um No, I'm sticking with it. AJ wins this one. Um least far- favorite part of the show was uh Nikki Vella's dropkick. And the show itself <laughs> I'm gonna have to give a C I think it was a step down from last week. Um, I don't know what I gave it last week. I think it was like a B minus or something. It wasn't a bad show. There's just a lot of little things wrong that I couldn't fully sign on to. Um, a lot of what we spoke about already. And um, I'm hoping, I don't know, usually there's an overlapping storyline that goes across the entire show. This week, there's a, st- there a lot of stuff that was not complete. Uh, the anonymous re- general manager didn't really complete itself. Um, next week, we have the Slammies, so I can only imagine that he's not going to get a lot of play then either. So it's just kind of left dangling. Um, the beginning of the show was kind of choreographed a bit too much for my liking. The end of the show, that match went kind of long. Even though it was good, there was moments. They did two hot tag uh, segments that, I don't know, didn't work for me. when. It never worked for me when Cena's the one in peril. Um, so there's just a lot of little things that I didn't like, which gives me leads me to give it a C. All right, Tony. Thank you very much for your time. Enjoy your week, and I'll catch you next Monday, buddy. All right. Talk to you guys next time. And, um... Um, yeah, love you, AJ. Bye. Deuces, bitches. Cut your crap. Deuces, bitches. (laughs) Uh, Jimmy, your favorite part of tonight's show? Um, any, uh, uh, my favorite part was probably actually getting to see Ms. Dow in a singles match and finally getting a little bit of dew. 
So I'll go with that. Your least favorite part of tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw? Just, I hate to say the entire opening segment because it wasn't all bad, but I just think it's so, it's such a clusterfuck anymore. It's a, oh, let's have, you know, the general manager speak, even though he's not speaking because he's on an email. Oh, well, we can shut the laptop, and then we're going to have the big bong lights go off and the little sound effect, and then let's all just have a rumble. And it's like, it completely takes away from what they were building off of last week, and now it's just, you know, screw the whole thing, just everybody fight, and then we'll just go to the back and we'll call that the opening segment. Do you think this is going to lead to them eventually working out the anonymous role general manager and actually giving us a full-time authority figure back in charge? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I hope that they get an all-time authority figure. I hope somebody is named a general manager. I hope somebody is in charge because right now it's just it's just not working for me. And I think it's cool that they're playing off the chaos storyline where there's nobody in charge, therefore it is complete chaos. But then if the general manager is able to make matches for the pay-per-view, why isn't he, you know, there making matches for Raw and, you know, being the authority, being the guy that calls the shots? It just doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't like the way that that is played off. All right, very well. What's your overall letter grade for tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw and why? I'm going to give it a solid C right in the middle because I don't think it was good, nor did I think it was bad. Uh, there obviously were a lot of ups and downs. Uh, the Divas match, uh, the tag match was kind of eh for me, even you know, even though they kind of gave Naomi a little shine and said, hey, you know, we're putting you in this match, even though it's the WWE app gimmick, you know, go in there and have a good match. And I think they knew that she was the one to go with. I think she's probably one of the most, if not the most, athletic diva on the roster. Um, but the opening and ending segments, I just I couldn't get into just because of the chaos thing, the breakdown, the lack of a GM. But everything in the middle seemed to work for me. I enjoyed the tag team turmoil. I liked the idea of Cesaro and Kid. And uh, obviously, I love Ms. Dow and Ms. and anything they do together. I love the invisible business card that Ms. Dow gives out. I hope I can get one uh, sent to me in the mail. I'm going to email him about that and ask about that. But otherwise, like I said, solid C. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. I'm sure Jimmy Christopher has sources. All right, sounds like little guys waking back up, so I'll let you go ahead and get to them. All right, yeah, he's just being a little fussy pants, so I'm going to go play with him. You guys have an awesome night. Raw reaction. Bye, fat-ass champion of the world. Jimmy Christopher, everybody. Tony Acero leaving a little bit before him. Um, my highlight of the night tonight was... Hmm. I honestly have to think about that for a little bit. Honestly, I think the Miz and Naomi segment backstage there because it made Miz come off as a total creep. It gave Naomi a bit of sympathy with the crowd, and it actually gave a reason for us to want to see the Usos kick Miz in Miz Dow's ass. Not to mention you had the cute little bit at the end there, as Jimmy mentioned, and as we talked about during the course of the show, with Ms. Dow and the invisible business card. And also, Ms. Dow's tag team titles are pretty funny, too. <laughs> My least favorite part of tonight's episode was the Eric Rowan bit. And I think it's because it, did, it undid so much of the work that had been done in putting the mystery into the Eric Rowan character that just for that one-off bit there with announcing that he has the Genius IQ and announcing that he is a vintner, that he has, he's an award-winning wine cultivator. Um, 
he is the guy that can solve a Rubik's cube in like two minutes in the cor- in the course of cutting a promo. Just it ma- it makes no sense for him to be of some so little words unless he actually has a reason to be that way. And I get the whole society shunned things that Bray Wyatt had going with him, but I don't think that applies now that he's on his own and now that he's been rehabbed by Wyatt, as they said. I'm going to go with a B- for my grade for tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw, and the reason that I give it a B- is because I thought that there was enough interesting stuff happening that I did not feel the need at all to change the channel during the commercial breaks or to change the channel during the course of the show because there was nothing that actively insulted my intelligence as a wrestling fan. And I think when you can find the episodes of Raw where you can say that about them, those are the ones that you need to hold on to, and they need to be given a little bit of credit for that. Obviously, the main event, the opening segment broke into a little bit of a clusterfuck, but at the same time, it led to the main event, which was a very excellent TV six-man tag. And me and Jimmy were talking about the match before, before as it got on the air, and both of us made a prediction, even before the match started, that Ziggler would get to shine the, uh, the top spotlight at the end of the match there. And I said that Ziggler would end up pailing Harper in order to set up the rematch at TLC for the Intercontinental title. And both things happened. Ziggler got the second hot tag, and Ziggler pinned Harper with the sunset flip in order to uh, help set up the uh, Intercontinental title match at TLC, which I do believe, given the, eff- the effects of the opening segment, excuse me, is going to be a ladder match, which should be fun to see Ziggler bump his ass off for Harper inside of the confines of a ladder match. For the departed Tony Acero, representing 411 Mania and formerly of the Greg DeMarco Show, he is a Greg DeMarco guy, he will tell you. And for Jimmy Christopher, who took time out to join us and then had to go because of his son, my name is Harry Broadhurst. I want to thank you for listening. You have been listening to The Reaction on Powerhouse Radio, www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. Remember, everybody, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Under the Mat Radio, featuring former... Powerhouse Radio's reaction guest, Evan Prout, coming up tomorrow night here on the Powerhouse Radio Network. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week here on The Reaction on Powerhouse Radio. We'll see you next Monday. of Powerhouse Radio in association with www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com Join us tomorrow night at 7 o'clock Eastern for Under the Mat Radio here on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse's Powerhouse Radio.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.